Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of What Is It About the Weather? I'm your host, Mark Jelinek, and I want to welcome you back. I hope you have been having some enjoyable weather since the last time I spoke to you. Wow, it's uh, it's been a couple of weeks, and it's been some busy weeks here. Um, things are going well for the podcast and the vidcast series. Uh, just some of the latest information, up up to date statistics for you. Uh, we've we've reached five continents. I'm going to have to think about this. Uh, you know, I, Africa and, and Antarctica are the the two remaining continents. Um, I, I I think that you know Africa will come with time. You know, certainly the the level of English spoken there being less, I I, I wouldn't expect a an immediate growth spurt in Africa. But the Antarctica piece, I really want to try to wrap that up before. Um, they shut down for the season, and I've got to imagine that somebody I know knows somebody who knows somebody, or no more than three degrees of separation, I would hope, on somebody in Antarctica that we can get them to pull at least a download and, and listen to an episode so I can say that we've got Antarctica covered as well. Um, but again, it, the support's been great. Uh, we've got over... 20 states in the U.S. now uh, where someone has uh, at least listened to or watched one of the episodes, and I just want to say thank you. Um, I really didn't know if things were going to take off, um, and and while I know that uh, growth is a uh, mischievous thing sometimes and you go through uh, flat phases and, and growth spurts and whatnot, but so far it's been enjoyable to watch uh, how far things are reaching. And it makes me feel good for taking the opportunity to do this with you guys. So thank you. Um, we've also launched a YouTube channel. Now, I, the link you can get to from the website at whatisitabouttheweather.com, until we have 100 subscribers and have been around a month, they won't let me create a custom URL. So I don't really want to give out the URL over the webpage. Just know that you can get to it from the website. There's a, a link there on the top of the page to get to the YouTube page. So if you prefer to get the vidcast that way or at least be notified that way, feel free to connect that way as well. Um, but I'm also using it as just a different type of outreach. As you know, a lot of people like YouTube, and so trying to take advantage of that. And lastly, I want to thank our first Patreon, um, Susan J., who has who's made the initial do donation via Patreon.com to support uh, the podcast, vidcast efforts, and that is greatly appreciated. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. So let's dive into things. Let's dive into a little conversation about the weather. Now, our main topic for today, as I mentioned we would cover last time, is, is reaching out to, to Hollywood or Weatherwood, if we want to rename it, and talk about weather and entertainment. Now, weather has been around and utilized in entertainment for years. It's, it's not a new thing. And for any of you, I, I'm kind of a fan of old-time radio, know that weather was one of those sound effects that you could always use in radio, even way back before the silver screen came about with simple sound effects of a rolling piece of, of metal sheet for thunder or clacks for, uh, for lightning and whatnot. So it's always been around to kind of set the mood um, and, and for people to take advantage of that in providing an atmosphere or making you feel that you're a part of something. And it's equally been around a long time in Hollywood. Um, Weather-related movies uh, and successful ones have been around for many, many years. And when I was investigating this, you know, things that came to mind initially to me were like Key Largo, a very famous 
old time movie uh, with with certainly a weather influence. Uh, and bad weather movies have been around a long time as well. Um, you know, weather movies quite often get tossed in with natural disaster movies, which is fine. Um, you know, weather is one of those things that can be large and grand, and, uh, you know, it plays a role in those type of movies, whether it also be earthquakes or uh, volcanoes or those sort of things. So it's been around. It's used both as a setting and a theme. And sometimes it's the the main feature of a film, or sometimes, like I said, it's more in just setting a tone or an environment. And so, as uh, we did in the previous episode, I went to the highly scientific methodology of going to Facebook and reaching out and doing some polling on the topic. And what I really wanted to to get a sense from uh, from different categories of people, I guess, was. What is really your favorite type of weather movie? Now, I asked the question uh, a little differently. It, it could either be weather-themed or weather-influenced uh, movie because I didn't want people to feel like they, they absolutely had to say, oh, specifically that weather movie because I really wanted to get a sense of what people were thinking. And like I did last time, I went to uh, both a weather-centric as well as more of a general populace in, in asking the question, now, without a doubt, when it came back from the weather-centric crowd, um, Twister was the top film, hands down. Now, the others that were mentioned, uh, seriously mentioned, were Wizard of Oz, which I hadn't really thought about, but um, certainly has a very important weather influence, and Day After Tomorrow, which being a you know kind of a big blockbuster in the past few years, I was not surprised to see get mentioned. However, when I took the poll to more of a general audience, the feedback was a lot more broad. And some of them were, again, weather movies. I heard Twister there. I also heard Groundhog Day, although that was from a weather person that wasn't necessarily in the weather group. Uh, Also Wizard of Oz. But I heard some other things, things like Dr. Zhivago, uh, Perfect Storm, Caddyshack. I mean, who can forget Caddyshack and the infamous scene... uh, with, uh, I don't think the heavy stuff's going to come down for quite some time yet. Um, but thankfully, Key Largo was covered in there. I heard about Wizard of Oz again. And other things, kind of natural disaster films fit in. The Impossible, which is more of a tsunami film. Uh, but again, it kind of it borders lines on that. Is it weather-related sort of thing? Or even Krakatoa. You know, so as the logic went in that response, it was, well, it influenced the weather when it erupted. And, you know, certainly that would be true. Anytime you have a volcanic eruption, it does have long-term implications uh, for weather influence. So um, quite a a wide array. And what I really didn't have is I I maybe had one or two that got two votes, but the voting was widespread. So, again, I think a lot of it depends on which audience you ask. Now, I came at it from knowing that just a lot of meteorology people or what I'd really call more weather geeks, that Twister, at least for the last, you know, since it came out, has kind of been the go-to weather film. And interestingly enough, I was uh, on the American Meteorological website, and they had actually run a survey in March to their members, and it asked exactly the same thing, which is, which is your favorite weather-related movie? Now, they had um, narrowed the list, I guess, down to a smaller group, Twister came out ahead in that one as well, with just over 25%. Groundhog Day was second. Uh, the Perfect Storm, third. Wizard of Oz, Frozen, 
none of the above, and then the the bottom two were Sharknado and The Day After Tomorrow. Now, I think one of the reasons Day After Tomorrow uh, doesn't rate as well with meteorologists is not because it wasn't necessarily an entertaining film, but with a lot of disaster films, it, it really had some scientific issues on top of its just general movie issues. So um, sometimes those sort of things sit wrong. And for some reason, we're willing to forgive the things that maybe aren't right in some of the other movies. But I think kind of the political charged aspect of Day After Tomorrow makes it not quite as popular uh, with the true kind of weather weenie crowd. Any case, so, you know, again, Twister came out ahead, Groundhog Day, which I certainly enjoyed second, Perfect Storm third, um, all, you know, very big movies, Wizard of Oz, I mean, how how could you go wrong with that? And, you know, I I started thinking about, and and this is where I got into it initially, is what makes the perfect weather movie? I mean, what is it really that you're looking for if you're saying, ah, I wanted to go out and make the perfect weather film? Because, let's be real. There's some really, really bad weather movies. Now, I think part of that is so much of those you can do with a lot of CGI, especially in this day and age. Uh, but even even back in the day, if, if you really want to um, go have some fun, you can go look at some, some older ones, and you know that the uh, effects do not hold up by any means. So, for instance, if, if you want to have a... a some fun. The person who plays the actor, uh, Jesse Eisenberg, who plays the actor, uh, Mark Zuckerberg in The Social Network, I think one of his first films um, was a TV movie called Lightning, Fire from the Sky. And uh, oddly enough, as he was playing kind of a teenage weather science sort of geek guy, he does an okay job. But given that it was made back in 2000, um, around the time or shortly thereafter, uh, Twister was made, even the advances in CGI, uh, since that time, have have made making these types of movies easier and easier. So, you know, it kind of looks hokey and dated, and that's what happens to these disaster movies quite often is they get that look and that feel when too much emphasis is placed on the CGI. But again, that's what happens. That's why they're out there. And like I said, there's there's ton of them. They're, they've been around for years. Anything from Luke Perry being a uh, hurricane scientist you know, to the to the one I just mentioned, they run the gamut, and quite often I think I find is it's too often the actors aren't really credible because because the movies are weak and because they're working on a cheap budget, they try to make these people sound over, overly scientific, and they tend to fall short. Uh, I'm not trying to diminish their acting abilities, but I, I think the script writers. Um, quite often don't know what they're talking about when they write some of these scripts. And so it just doesn't come across as plausible. But there are a variety of lists out there, and I'll put some in the show notes where you can go through and have a good laugh at some of the films. But, you know, the ones that when we had all the big hurricanes in the early 2000s, we got the Category 6 and Category 7 and all these films. And so I watch most of them. I enjoy them because I, I get a kick out of the things they do right and the things they do wrong. And, and I enjoy watching actors try to uh, pull off being a, a overly scientific individual. But let's get back to what makes a good weather movie. Why is it that Twister's worked? Or why is it that Groundhog Day has been popular? Or even The Perfect Storm, for that matter? And I've got some opinions, and, and certainly, you know, you can ponder these after you hear me talk about them, and, I you know, feel free to send me your thoughts as well. But, I you know, if we take those first couple, I, th- I think one of the things is 
you got to have some science. And Groundhog Day didn't have as much. I mean, it was he was just kind of a broadcast meteorologist, and it focused more on the broadcast, not so much the science. But even in Twister, um, they had the benefit. They had a great setup character, right? Bill Paxson's uh, fiance at the time is kind of a novice, and so you had all these other kind of storm chaser people around her. But she could be set up as the person asking kind of the dumb questions or I don't know questions to give the other folks a chance to sound credible without it being overly forced. Now, one of the other thing, one of the other links I'll put in in the show notes is there's a few sites that have really dissected what scientifically Twister did right and wrong. But there's also a great YouTube clip of everything that's kind of wrong with Twister. And I, I will tell you, um, don't necessarily listen to it with the kids. While some things are bleeped out, it's definitely uh, kind of adult content. But it's a very funny kind of 15 minutes. And, and it's a YouTube group that does it with other films as well. So it's well worth the watch. But scientifically, I mean, one of the the things has always been is overall, Twister got most of it right. I mean, there's some exceptions. They talked about, uh, you know, when the initial scenes in the movie have a a tornado forecast before tornado forecasts were even issued. Um, They talk about technology that wasn't even available at the time. Uh, Some of those things and, and other things like, you know, the truck being hurled out of the Twister at a low level. Um, instead of being sucked in, it just it, it didn't make logical, make good movie sense, but it didn't make much logic. Or the scene where they hide under the bridge, and we know in this day and age you're just not supposed to do that. And scientists, why would two scientists go and do that? It's just not logical. But again, overall, their science was credible. And the other interesting thing is technically in both Groundhog Day and Twister, the weather was not the villain. It was almost specifically in Twister, it was like the Holy Grail. I mean, it was the quest. The villains were the other storm chasers, so they were the bad guy. You know, in, in Groundhog Day, it you know, I guess you could say Puxatani Phil was was the villain. Um, but the villain wasn't the wet the weather was the setting. It just happened to be Groundhog Day and, and that he was living it over and over again. But the villain was his life and him trying to change himself. So a lot of times when, when you set, now the perfect storm may be an exception to this, when you set the, the weather up to be the villain, and, and even with a perfect storm, it happens so late in the film. You know, all these other things, good and bad, happened uh, in advance that the weather being the villain didn't happen till late in the movie um, or you didn't see it till late. It's kind of like Jaws, you know, how, how late in the movie did you go before you actually saw Jaws? And it's, and it's very much the same thing in a perfect storm, whereas a lot of these other movies try to, they start with the weather, like day after tomorrow, you know, that's, it's where it starts. I mean, it, it gets its whole thing on from the get-go kind of hitting you up with the weather and all these strange things. So I, I think it's important not to focus. Another thing that's important is making the timescale work for movies. And I think Twister did that well. You know, tornadoes tend to be, generally speaking, shorter-lived events. So they're able to cover multiple events within the movie time frame without it seeming stretched. Um, and, you know, Groundhog Day, well, it was a day that just happened to repeat again and again. But a lot of times when you think about weather events lasting, like a, a hurricane lasting multiple days, you could do an interesting movie about that. It would just be a different setup. So I don't know that how well it would translate into truly a weather movie versus a weather-themed or weather-influenced movie. 
And let's be realistic. In the end, it's about having a good script and good acting and good writers and good directors and all those things. So, you know, when you want to do a low-budget film and you want to do a lot of CGI, sure, a natural disaster, whether can whether it's the ice tornadoes or the sharknadoes, um, it's easy to do these things. And, again, I think if you go into those movies and know that in advance that a movie called Sharknado is not going to be serious and that it's there for to a little bit to uh, just popcorn entertainment and you go in there with the right mindset, maybe it's tolerable. Sometimes even I have a hard time sitting and listening to uh, what these things are. But like I said, Twister was not perfect. We've talked about a few of the things. Uh, again, I'll put the links in the show notes. So, um, you know, Hollywood, is there a perfect weather movie? I don't know that there is. I do know that, that Twister was on just the other night on its 20th anniversary, and there's just something about it. It comes on TV, and I, I'm not allowed to change the channel. My, my brain, the remote control won't work, and I'll have to sit there and watch it again. Uh, maybe someday they'll do a good sequel to that. I, I, I think when they rely too much on making it overwhelming um, and an action-packed movie, it's just not as enjoyable. I mean, I enjoy the action, but let the story be about the characters. Um, you know, find your next Philip Seymour Hoffman and have him be an oddball uh, storm chaser. I mean, those are the types of things you need. So when will the next great weather movie come out? I don't know. But in the meantime, I can still watch Twister and enjoy it. So that's our look at entertainment in Hollywood this week uh, from the main topic. So we're going to try some, you know, with as this podcast thing evolves here, some different things. And one of them I'm going to call this this new section. Someday I'll have, again, little intros for this thing is the interesting tidbit section. So where I come across something curious that you may not know about. And again, if you have ideas, do not hesitate to let me know if there's if there's little blurbs, whether it's a, a full blown topic you think I should cover or little blurbs, feel free to pass them along anytime. Uh, I appreciate that type of feedback. But since I happened to cross an article um, that was about tornado forecasting, of all things, since we had been talking about Twister. And it's in a magazine called Weatherwise. It's in their latest March-April um, publication. And for those of you who are not familiar with Weatherwise, again, I'll, I'll put a way that you can find them on the web um, in the show notes. But um, it's a magazine. It's not peer-reviewed, but it with uh, those of us in the American Meteorological Society, it's one of those things that they kind of push on to us as an option at the end of the year. But it's inter- it's interesting stories, and it's kind of like um, weather for people that are really weather enthusiasts without being overly scientific. So actually, it's funny. I'll find that my wife is finishes the reading each. Um, each pub version of the publication before I do, but then again, she's a quicker reader than I am, um, and she finds it intriguing. So I, I mean, even for non-weather people, it, it's an it's an interesting magazine. So um, each issue, they they cover a lot of the same things, you know, like different climates in different states around the U.S. and whatnot. I will say that it it tends to be U.S. centric. Um, but it has some some interesting history, so it's kind of a balance of things that have happened in the past and things that are going forward. But in this episode, like I said, they they had um, a retrospect article about March 25th, 1948, the first tornado forecast. And it talks about the history of tornado forecasting and how these people working on um, uh, Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma City had forecast the conditions for a tornado to come about. 
And a few days later, after their initial forecast, the conditions were set up again. So they issued a similar type forecast indicating that tornadoes were possible. And it seemed like um, that afternoon that things were not going to pan out. Then oddly enough, a squall line came through um, and there was uh, an indication of another tornado in the area. So it worked out well, um, but it would be a long time uh, before, a couple more years after that, before even the freeze on issuing tornado forecasts was generally lifted. Uh, because it's long been acknowledged that it was a difficult thing to forecast. But again, I'll put uh, a link to that article in the show notes in case you want to read a little bit about the initial history of tornado forecasting. So that brings us to the end of this episode, at least in terms of uh, the topics to discuss this week. Next episode, at least in terms of the podcast, we're going to get into um, the topic of probabilities. And I may covered over a couple of episodes because it touches on a, a variety of things um, that may uh, fall outside easily being able to cover it in, in one episode. I think one's going to be a little more technical in the nature and one's going to be a little bit more about um, the average person using probability-based weather forecast and how important that's become in this day and age and how you can use it effectively um, if you're still used to just kind of saying, oh, the forecast is supposed to be 80 degrees today, and you and I both know how often is it exactly 80, very seldom. So why it, why it's important, um, how it, you can use it, and a little bit more about how it's used um, out in bus- by businesses as well. So like I said, we may do uh, a couple episodes initially. I could probably do I don't five to seven episodes just on that topic, but uh, I'll probably do a couple of intro ones, and it may be a theme that we come back to in the future. As always, I, I welcome, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my whiteboard right now in my office, and I've got a list of things that I think would make good episodes, but I'm equally interested and would love to hear from you guys about something you would like to have covered, and whether that's in the longer form audio for, podcast setup or in the vidcast that we're doing. Um, or, as I mentioned, uh, thoughts and ideas about small segments. You know, I've thought about, you know, covering uh, interesting weather events in, in, you know, the past couple of weeks or something like that. And, you know, like I said, I'd like the the feel for the episodes to get into that um, sort of 30-minute range towards towards the end. I and, mean, and a little bit more, a little bit less, depending on the topic. And, you know, just feel comfortable. So that's probably going to include, you know, kind of a main topic that, that runs in that 15-minute range. Um, sometimes a little more, maybe when we interview some folks. Uh, but also just some some other tidbit topics. So please reach out. And again, let's let's cover how to get hold of us. Certainly on the website, whatisitabouttheweather.com. And there you will see the different ways to connect to us. You can subscribe that way. But if you want to directly reach out, I haven't added a form, but I probably will add a form there so that you can just send me comments directly from the website. Uh, keep an eye on that for the next couple of weeks. But always uh, that same, what is it about the weather at gmail.com email address. Feel free to send me anything. Um, thoughts, ideas, uh, what you didn't like. I mean, it, you know, it, this is not a. Oh, we love everything uh, type of scenario. Sometimes the best feedback is the feedback that uh, helps refine what we're doing and making it better for everybody. Now, as I mentioned, we are listed on iTunes, so you can continue to let people know 
That's how they can reach us and subscribe. If you are subscribed on iTunes and listen to it there, if you leave a five-star rating, that will help other people find us when they do a search on something as simple as weather. Uh, right now, we're pl- pretty low in the ratings, uh, You know, obviously enough since we're just getting off the ground. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, Mark underscore Jelinek. That's J-E-L-I-N-E-K. And if you do it with the capital M and capital J, uh, that is Twitter. And with all lowercase, that's on Instagram. And you can find me in LinkedIn as well if you have an, an interest in connecting with me there. Just just search Mark Jelinek and weather, and I should come up. And lastly but not least, I just want to... Um, Say thanks again to everybody for all the support you've provided us so far. You know, again, whether it's sending us ideas for topics, um, that matters. I mean, hearing from you and hearing your ideas, that's supporting us. Whether it's telling others about us, that's supporting us and equally as important. Um, whether it's giving us ratings in the programs that you pull these, the podcast or the vidcast down from, all those things, non-monetary support-wise, help us tremendously in terms of growing and reaching a broader audience. And of course, lastly, if you are getting value from the podcast and you feel comfortable giving some value back in a monetary support, patreon.com slash weather. Until next time, have good, exciting, enjoyable, whatever you want to call it, but let's not have just boring weather. We're tired of hearing our uncle grovel, so please support him on patreon.com slash weather. This is a two-word super production.